stories of ambition, drive, success, and the personalities behind them. I'm Whitney Coonan. And I'm Macy McLean. And you're listening to Power in Heels. Today's guest is a legend in the sports world, but it's not for what you might think. She has worked with the likes of the NHL, PGA, MLB, Olympic athletes, NFL, elite tennis athletes. I mean, you name it, she has worked with them all. We are so excited to be joined by performance psychologist Dana Sinclair. I think probably that what I wanted to start off with was this, this fun question I like to ask a lot of people. And it's, if someone asked you to tell your story, where would you start and why? Well, I've been around a long time, so I don't like to speak <laughs> too far back. <laughs> okay, story of my life. Uh, loved outdoors and sports as a kid. Played on a national team. Went to school forever. Um, thought I was going to be a vet. Ended up in performance psychology, and it has been the best career ever. I've been able to work with athletes, surgeons, actors, anybody who wants to perform, and. I've been able to watch them, help them be involved, and it has been super satisfying and just really fun to work with people who want to be better. You know, that happens to a lot of people. It's it's always a happy accident to to where we end up in life. And I feel like that's a good thing to to note that, you know, you may have one goal at the age of 18, but it will definitely change. So it's always interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. A lot of people do know exactly what they want to do, I think, or many do. And good for them. I was not one of them. Um, as I say, I thought I was, you know, I was in agriculture at university first, thinking I was going to go to vet school. And then things did change. And I changed faculties twice before I got out of undergrad. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. Right. And I remember somebody telling me that they wanted to be a psychologist like in high school. And I thought, I would never want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Yeah. And yeah, you know, 10 years later, I ended up, end up doing that. So I do think you have to be open to seeing what, you know, comes up. Mm-hmm. You have to try some things sometimes to see what you're actually interested in and good at. Because sometimes you find that you're good at something you never even thought. And that's enough to propel you forward to go get some more schooling or experience or what have you to end up doing something completely different that you, that you never even thought you were going to do. So I think it's very true. It worked for me. That's so cool. (laughs) Well, I didn't plan it well at all. How do you actually get into the career? Like what schooling is involved, all of that? So I did a PhD in sports psychology, but realized that I couldn't actually call myself a psychologist because I wasn't. So I ended up going and doing another PhD in psychology at Cambridge in England and then came back and got my license And now I can sort of professionally do what I need to do in whatever population I would like to do it in. All right. So talking more about the the different people that you've worked with and the different, um, you know, athletes and and teams. So tell us about that. What um, who have you worked with in the past that that you can talk about? And of course, um, what does that kind of look like for you? So I've worked in the NHL, in the NFL, worked for Major League Baseball for a long time. I also have individuals in those leagues. So I've worked in all the leagues, so, you know, IndyCar, WNBA, PGA, LPGA, Royal Conservatory of Music, different surgery groups, you know, universities, things like that. So, um, you know, Cirque du Soleil, that was fun too. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. 
but again, it's all like these people are so skilled and mm-hmm. uh, it's not about their skill. It's about getting the most out of their skill, like for all of us. So it applies to everybody. In fact, I've, I've just uh, finished a book with Simon and Schuster and it's called Dialed In, Do Your Best When It Matters Most. So it's all these things we're talking about with the sort of the stories from clients from different zones talking about what they've done or what we've worked on that helped them move forward. And probably the biggest thing that I think is most important is people need to keep it simple. People think if it's not complicated or involved, it's not somehow good enough or smart enough or tough enough. And most people tend to do too much. And I'm always trying to get people to simplify and you know, hone it down to just a few things. And that's a lot harder than you think. You think that'd be easy. But when you're taking a complicated career or task or something you just want to be good at, it's a lot harder to go through it all and figure out, okay, I just need to do this, this, and this, and then I'll be good. Because everybody wants to do the 18 things that are involved and they might be germane to that task, but you have to figure out what's important to you, what's going to allow you to excel, you know, at that, in that moment. And it's not 18 things. It's going to be two or three. The other thing is when people get it and they make it work, which it does not take long. I mean, I've had moments where, you know, I do, I have, I have five minutes before some guy is going to step into the, you know, onto the ice and getting him to recalibrate and think about what's critical and what's important. And he's got it. It works. Of course. And then, and then they think, oh, I got it. That was easy. Okay. I don't have to think about this anymore. Bye. And it's like, no, no, no. You've got to, whatever <laughs> you do, you've got to keep doing this. And you've got to sort of expand it a bit, go away and think about it before a game and come back to it. Don't just expect it to fall from the sky and hope it's going to happen. It won't. So still staying connected to what you have to do and preparing a little bit is important. So those are, are, are two big things that I think are, are key. The first time I actually heard about, you know, this job and and the role that you have with athletes was when we were um, chatting with Tessa Virtue last season. We worked really extensively with sports psychologists and mental prep coaches. And you're constantly, again, being sort of critiqued and judged and you're posturing and, and there's this intensity. And sometimes that really works to your advantage because we wanted to be around the best and we wanted to be in an environment that was really competitive and that brought out the best in us. But we needed to learn to compartmentalize. So I'm so grateful that we had access to some of the best experts in that field because, you know, almost more than physically, especially in the later part of our career, the mental aspect was most critical. And so that really opened my eyes to the importance of your role and how much it really does affect the athletes um, and their success as well. It's like a very direct correlation. So it was really interesting to to hear that from someone else and then uh, and then to come to talk to you and see the other side of it all is really really cool yeah no she's I mean she's had such a career hasn't she and and to credit her sort of support people is very lovely of her and it's interesting like everybody does their bit but she's the one who had to get out there and do it I understand how how difficult it can be for them to be their best in these moments over and over and over again and you know power to her because she had to pull it all together and do it in biggest pressure you know in in her sport right so 
You always talk about, um, you know, helping others through difficult times in their jobs or careers or, you know, games or sports. Um, but of course, I know everybody also faces some challenges within their own um, careers. And I, I, I hope, I'm assuming that you've also faced some challenges. The first one that comes to mind is is uh, the Blue Jays and your experience oh. with them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was fired. You guys, I got fired. It's the only time I've been fired. And I was not happy. I'm fair enough. I mean, rightfully so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, and, uh, you know, I was well into my career and and everything was going great in my business. And I was working with multiple teams in different leagues at the same time, Mm -hmm. traveling, having having a great time. And then I I get fired. And I do kind of enjoy telling this story because, one, I was mad and it's never fun. (laughs) But the reason I was fired was because the team management kept pushing me to tell them who I was speaking with and what we were talking about. And, you know, when I signed the contract, it was kind of a given that, okay, I'm a licensed psychologist, there's confidentiality. Yes, I will um, work with the players. And I'm often working with the players out in the open too, like on the field, in the dugout. So it's not like it's a secretive thing off-site, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they knew there was confidentiality, but they kept pushing and they kept pushing. So I, I kept saying, well, no, no, and no. And I think probably on the third time, they said, fine, you're done. <laughs> Jesus. Which was good because it was never going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, if they were unhappy, how would I ever have any relationship with players if they thought I was talking about them to management? Ridiculous. Exactly. But that, that happens more than you think. There's more pressure uh, in other organizations to, to do that. They feel, you know, that they are paying you, so you need to tell them. And it's, you know, it's just it's just trying to be manipulative because they really know that it's not appropriate. Yeah. So anyway, those types of things do happen. Not cool. Not cool. You would also touch on another story about how you were working with an athlete and their dad demanded to sit in on a session it didn't really go very well. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you want to talk about yeah. that challenge as well. Yeah, it was, this was an NHL like superstar, and we were working together. You know, he was having a bit of a rough patch, so he got right back on it. And then his father wanted to join in. He said, "Hey, my my father's here. Can he can he come to the meeting?" And I thought he meant, you know, just come and sit in the waiting room. So I'm like, sure. I got into my office, and the father's already sitting there. Oh. And I'm like, um, and this was earlier in my career, so I, I didn't handle it very well. I just, I should have kicked him out right then and there. And yeah. I did not. I said, well, okay, sure. Okay. If the, if the son wants it, okay, fine. We'll do that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Talk about the most stilted, you know, we've been doing great, this player and I. Open, making things happen, fun, getting it done. We were trying to be open and our normal selves, but the father just, you know, sitting there like this. Mm, you know, yeah, that's not sort good. Of, you know, sort of not looking like he was interested or happy. I thought he was in there to be involved and to help his son and to be interested, but he was there to shut me down because he didn't like that his son was talking to somebody else about hockey. So Jeez. that was it. That didn't, that didn't go well at all. And I, I have never made that mistake again. I learned. Hey, there we go. <laughs> you learn. You learn. <laughs> now, I still have parents in. You know, um, sometimes they want to be into, if it's a young kid or whatever, if the kid's more more comfortable. 
uh, they'll be in for a little bit of the session, mm-hmm. um, but then they go. Yeah. Just make sure that the that the client, the kid, is comfortable, and then we then we're on our way. Interesting. Do you have a Do you have a favorite story that you know if you're having a bad day that you kind of look back on and you know, yep, I did that. <laughs> Gosh, I'm not very good with those kinds of stories. Oh, you just told us to remember <laughs> all those good things and write them down for ourselves. No, no. <laughs> Come you're on. Right. You're right. There is one thing that I, I, I do like. I was working for Seattle Seahawks and I do draft for these teams as well. So I help them select players who, like from the behavioral side, from the mental side, are likely to have a long career. They can stay focused. These they have these characteristics. They're, you know, you're helping them predict who can hang in and get the most out of themselves. Right. That's the talent thing. That's cool. Right. I was assessing, interviewing this one guy. He's a quarterback, and they were worried he was small, and um, I guess they were just worried about the talent side of it. And I said, well, I have nothing to do with that. But you know, from a behavioral standpoint, this guy can do it. Mentally, he should be able to focus. He should be assertive enough out there, take charge. You know, he's disciplined. He'll be able to do it. And they, they fought me on it. Oh. There was a battle between the scouts and management. And uh, they, you know, yeah, the head coach fought me on it. So, you know, um, at the Seahawks. And uh, anyway, I stood my ground and said, do what you want. But I still think he can do it. And he could. Russell Wilson, he's been playing in the league forever. So, there's lots of those fun things like that out there. When you first meet with a client, what's kind of the process? And I'm sure maybe it's a little bit different for everyone, but if there's like kind of an average process to everything, um, can you walk us through that? Sure. There is an average process, but it, it does change because I end up meeting different people in different spaces. So sometimes they'll be in my office. Okay. That's in, in that space. Uh, it's you know obviously a little bit more structured and whatnot, but often I'm meeting people uh, on the sides of of an NFL football game or in a boardroom or in a locker room somewhere or on a bus or on on the team plane. You have to be ready to do your thing wherever you are. And, you know, you don't get an hour necessarily to sit down and meet someone and show them things. You might have five minutes and they need help right away. But the average structure is I like to say, you know, talk to somebody, assess them, find out how they're built from a personality behavioral point of view, um, what their strengths are, what gets in the way. Then we talk about different strategies and and skills uh, that they can use when they're feeling pressure. Because for me, it's all about helping people when they're feeling pressure Mm -hmm. and they really want something or it's really meaningful to them. That's when it gets a little tense and they don't necessarily execute the way they normally do and they need a workaround for that yeah so that's most of the time is what I do is help them with the workarounds interesting how do you manage it when like let's say you're on the sidelines and you only have five minutes and there's a bunch of other people around like how can you connect with the athlete in a moment like that I mean that's kind of the fun challenge of it and I suppose it's really just trying to get to what that person needs in the moment yeah so it's not about their distractions or whatever else is going on it's about trying to help them zone into what they need to do right now in the moment the here and now so always people have to calm down like we're always at our best when we're a little bit calm (laughs) not too loose sometimes but not freaking out right it's I do a lot of freak out management and, you know, once you calm down, then you can really get the person to focus in on, 
on the do, I call it the do, like what do they have to do in the moment? Like mm -hmm. say, whether it's a presentation or hockey, it's what do they have to do in the moment to get the job done? That's essentially it. All of these lessons are very transferable. They're not just for an athlete. It could be for other people, even like um, if you have a fear of presenting or networking, for example, like you can help work through these as well. That's cool. Yeah. It's the same structure that I use, you know, customized to the person or the event or what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I will work with students who are going through exams or presentations. It can be dealing with a tough, lousy boss. It can be dealing with parents who are living vicarious through you and they won't leave you alone, <laughs> right? They think it's their life. Uh, that happens a lot too. It's anybody who is trying to be better at what they want to perform that. You made an interesting point there. You said, you know, parents living vicariously through yeah. uh, their kids. Do you see that um, a lot in the sports world sometimes? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I bet. And, you know, I end up having to tell some parents, I mean, really, they got to back off. Because, well, okay, I'm thinking of like even a 12-year-old tennis player. The 12-year-old can beat the father, yet the father is all over the 12-year-old, coaching him, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you got to be better. This is, oh, my goodness. Back it up a bit, right? So a lot of parents, they, you know, a lot of them mean well, yeah. but too many of them get caught up and confuse themselves with their children and what they wanted as uh, as a career or to perform. They want it to be better. So they're pushing their kids too hard in the wrong way. Not good. Interesting. Do you get pushback from parents when you kind of have to start drawing those lines? Sometimes they just need to be called on it. And just, they know, they know they're a bit out of control and they need also, they need help from me to get them under control emotionally when they're dealing with their kid. Because whether I'm dealing with the kid or the parent, it's all about emotional control. If you can control your emotions when you're feeling the pressure, you're going to be better, right? You're going to be able to control your self-doubts, your uh, distractions, be able to calm down if you can control your own emotions. So it's not just the client controlling their emotions. Sometimes it's the coaches and the people around them, the bosses, the parents. Stick around. Next up on Power and Heels. How about some, some imagery? How about some daydreaming? That's a really underused skill. Why not start practicing in your head? Kind of going back to this whole idea of stress and working under pressure and all of those things, if you had to give a few tips for dealing with these things, what would they be? Because I know it's something that we all go through on a daily basis, likely. Okay, the two top tips for any endeavor, any performance. One, you do have to be able to calm down. Right. Easier said than done, but it's not as complicated as people think. Because if you pre-plan it and think about it ahead of time, you'll be able to grab onto it when you're starting to freak a bit, right? So if you do think about your tension because you're too tense, and you're not thinking of probably what you should be. You're distracted and you're going to get derailed. You could be distracted by just thinking about the results, by what other people are thinking, by not wanting to fail, by feeling, you know, uh, negative. There's, you know, a hundred things you could be distracted by. So what I, the second thing is I try to get people when they're in that distracted zone to, you know, they've drifted over there 
I need to shift them back to what they're going to do. And that's the thing is figuring out whether it's hockey and you need to move your feet or if you're doing a presentation, you need to calm down and now focus in on the material. Stay focused on your talking points. Look at the back of the crowd. Speak up. Whatever those things are for you, you need to have those pre-plans. So those are the two big things. We all need to to learn this a little bit more and, and need to hear it more often because it's it's so important. But And there's so many moments in life where you know, you can shut down or get stressed. And one of the ones that I hear a lot about from students is in exams and pressure from their parents, or you hear about young people entering their first, you know, job and dealing with the workplace, maybe dealing with difficult bosses too. Ah. And and those are all things that we all have to deal with, um, but they're hard to. So I don't know if there's any one there that kind of sparked um, any tips for you, but do you have any sort of ideas around around those? Well, sure. So one, mm-hmm. learn, how to, learn how to breathe. I mean, I know it sounds goofy, but learn how to breathe quickly. You know, I mean, slow, but <laughs> be able to shift your mind to settling quickly. And that's all about just exhaling fully. You know, whenever we're uptight, shoulders are up, breathing's up here, you're not loose. So it's, and, and don't even think about breathing deeply. It's about just slower and exhale and get the shoulders down. It takes what, two breaths, five seconds? If I asked you to sit there and breathe calmly for a minute, you could get it down to like five or six breaths a minute. And if you're doing, you know, more than 10, you need to slow down, right? You need yeah. to start settling. So once you sort of can click into the breathing part, you have to talk your way through it as well. Oh. There's two parts to self-talk. One, you need to have a facts list. You, you, you guys out there, Forget about what makes you good. And you forget <laughs> your accomplishments because you're always striving and trying to be better and getting more and being good, which is great. But I don't think people are allowed to take a moment and think about the good things, what they've done, because they're always sort of pushed to, yeah, okay, I've done that, tick, now on to the next. No, hold on. Let's, like, let's have a list of like, you know, your top 10 accomplishments you know, things about you as a person, whether you're a good friend or a kind person or all those things, I, you know, have people write them down. And I say, okay, what do you think about that person on the paper? And they're like, oh, hmm, they're not so bad after all. <laughs> and it's good, it's good to ground you. I mean, I'm thinking of a, of a client who uh, did great at the Commonwealth Games and partly it was because she decided to, instead of always going negative, go through her list of facts for a week before the tournament hmm. and that helped her calm down. And then she could get to what she had to do, you know, in her, in her competitions. Right. So self-talk, you've got to have the facts list and then you've got to watch that the way you're talking to yourself while you're competing or at work or in that boardroom or in a meeting or talking to your boss, you've got to watch what you're saying to yourself. And I think all of us can probably write down the typical negative things they say to themselves. That's a good idea too. So you realize, oh, that doesn't, that's not very good. <laughs> and, you know, figure out how to re- rewrite it so that you're not thinking about that. Maybe it's, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, actually I can because I've done this before mm-hmm. and I'm actually pretty good at it. I'm just afraid I'm going to fail this time, but there's no reason for it. So come on, shush, shush, let's go. Whatever it is. So we've got breathing, we've got the facts, we've got talking. How about some some imagery? How about some daydreaming? 
That's a really underused skill. Why not start practicing in your head? You can use it to chill out, you know, seeing yourself on a beach or in nature or whatever, right? Or you can improve your skills. You can look at highlights. Think about your past great moments or good moments, things that you feel good about that you'd like to replicate. Practice fighting through things. Fight through the mistake. Even do something wild to make it right and -hmm. carry on. And then lastly, see yourself where you want to be. I was talking with a guy who was a young officer in a nuclear submarine. This, eh? Ballistic, wow. ballistic missiles, cool. all that stuff. He, right. When he was in the sub learning how to do things, you know, he's driving the submarine around the ocean, pretty cool, right? But he's putting <laughs> himself, you know, at the end of the day, in his mind, into the position where he is going to be, like commanding the sub and all that stuff, and, and sort of practicing in his mind how he wants to be and how he wants to do it and learning the skills and just seeing himself being, you know, in control. All good stuff. The imagery doesn't take long. You can you know, take five seconds and see a clip in your head. Okay, do that a couple of times a day. That's mental training. Go for it. It's not hard. You just have to get to it regularly and plan it out a bit. Mm-hmm. So those are the main skills that work. I can see how those sort of skills and just pausing and practicing, you know, how am I going to respond? How am I going to deal with this? That can help because it's so hard to, and it off, often things catch you off guard. So no, I can definitely uh, see those. I'll use those skills myself, actually. Those are great tips. <laughs> well, good, because they, they things do catch you off guard, right? And, and knowing a little bit about yourself is helpful too. Like some people have a hard time stepping into work like that because maybe they're, they're more introverted people. They're great with their friends in smaller groups, but new and unfamiliar situations makes them tight and their tension goes up to an eight. And then they are upset with themselves after because they feel like they acted goofy, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you can plan for that and be ready for it and see yourself asking questions or smiling or getting your shoulders down or actually just interacting the way you want to. And if you practice that a little bit, it's so much easier to do. So yeah, I love it when people practice these simple things. Well, that's great. I mean, that's one of the complaints that I hear a lot from, from people in school is, oh, I want to network, but I don't know how. And it's so scary meeting (laughs) new people. And I don't know what to ask them. And that's totally fair because I felt the same way. I didn't, I went to networking events a lot during school because that's what people told me to do. But, oh, my gosh, is it scary because it's a complete stranger, someone who's, you know, up there talking and, you know, you idolize them because you're like, wow, I'd love to be like them one day. But then you get a chance to maybe talk to them. But you don't know what to say. It's okay. Like, they're just a person. How You know, even just finding one question or something, it's definitely a good tip. (laughs) Right. And even just, you know, introducing yourself and telling them where, you know, you're at school or what you're doing can be enough for them to jump in and, and help you out. Right. It's just having sort of the courage to really sort of step up and give it a go and just try to be yourself and whatever happens happens, you know? True. (laughs) Exactly. And I think too, like um, with everything you've said, it made me realize how um, important our mindset is and just changing our mindset and thinking positively in certain situations can really help and just um, shows just how powerful our mind can be too in certain situations and, and the outcome it can um, have on certain certain things. You're right, because when you think about it, okay, you know, everybody's got their talent, right? I mean, you guys, you guys are talented. You've got your, your talent. You're good at this and other things, right? And you guys are moving along and taking initiative and getting things done. Bravo. It's your mindset that gets the most out of your talent, right? 
I mean, it's easy to think about sports, but anything else too. Yes, they're good at something, they're a musician or whatever, but if you're not in the right mind space, your talent will come through a little bit, but not the way it should. So talent is one thing, mindset is another, and you've got to have the right approach or a useful, calm, focused approach. Interesting. <laughs> you just gave me like an aha moment. That just, <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that makes so much sense. Because yeah, there's lots of talented people in the world, but those who, you know, really, really make it, of course, there's more to it than just having talent. And can do it consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, why is it that some days, you know, some people, they, they have a, a great performance and then, ah, that was it. They can't get it back. That isn't the skill set. That is the mindset. Your skills don't leave you. Those don't change from day to day or hour to hour or game to game or surgery to surgery. Mm-hmm. Those are there. You've been trained. You've, you've got the goods. That's your talent. Why is it that some days it's like easy and brilliant and other days it's like, ooh, that, I don't feel very good about that, okay? That is your approach that day. That's why it's so important to learn how to manage it so that you can grab it when you need it. If it's a, a great day and it's happening, happening easily, I say to my client, go ahead, bye, have a great time. But what the client and I are responsible for are those days that aren't so good, that don't feel so easy, that do feel more distracted for whatever reason. It's your responsibility to manage those things so that you can get to your talent, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be able to clear the clutter from your mind so you can get to your talent because your talent is right there where you left it. It hasn't gone anywhere. And this is why we need to be able to calm down, pre-plan, and know where we've got to go to get the most out of ourselves because we all want results. We all want to be good at what we do, but sometimes it's hard to get the most out of ourselves in the moment. And that's what my stuff's all about. Hey, it's Macy and Whitney. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Power and Heels. Make sure to join the conversation and never miss a new episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. If you kind of like look back on your career, is there any like one Thing that you have learned over time that you wish you knew at the beginning or at the start of your career in this industry? You've got to be you and you've got to give it a go. I think people hang back and wait. There's sort of not so much sense of urgency. Yes, that will happen. Actually, I probably did learn this. That will happen. I'll get there. It'll happen. I'll just start with this and we'll see. And even way back in the day, I was just starting and I had worked in hospitals too. Um, when I came out of Cambridge and worked in reproductive psychiatry, running the research. And then I decided to join my husband in our business and start the sports side. And so I was starting off with national teams and Olympic stuff. And he was one who said to me, Hey, you know, you should actually start doing work in the pros. And I'm saying, well, I don't know about that, you know? And he was right. I didn't think about it. He did. And he gave me, you know, sort of the idea and the push to go get at it. And I thought, oh, you're right. I wish I had thought of that, or I'm glad you did. So I went and did that. Now, the timing was good, but, you know, if if he hadn't sort of pushed me or somebody said, hey, think about this in your career, I might have taken a lot longer to get there. Mm -hmm. So sense of urgency. I see people in their young careers like you guys. Oh, I'd like to have that. And I'm not saying... 
go push hard, hard. I'm just saying, do some of that daydreaming, putting yourself in the position you want. It can come faster than you think. Don't hold back. Don't sit back and wait. You know, try to push it a little bit. Try to go get it. Have a sense of urgency and make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just wait for it to fall out of the sky. Because <laughs> it won't. But if you take a couple of little steps to improve your performance in the moment or think of the next step ahead of time, things start to happen. That is a great piece of advice. And I think we all definitely need to hear that a little bit. Um, oh gosh, I wish we could talk to you forever. But before we let you go, we do always love to ask all of our guests if they have any last words or pieces of advice that they want to share. Um, the time is yours. Okay. One, do your thing, be yourself. Give it a go, right? Don't hang back and think people are going to think you're not good enough or you don't want to fail. Just calm down. Stay focused on the task. Get to the do. Then you can go back to being however you want. Okay. And the other thing is, if you do want more, the book is coming out in the fall. And all these skills are laid out there for you to see. You know, it's got stuff in there about certain concepts like confidence. It's overrated. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't get all wound up about having to be confident. Or it doesn't matter. You just have to stick to what you're doing. Okay. And then it's, it's the process is laid out as to how to do it for yourself. Okay? All the tips are there that you can actually quickly apply to your own zone. So it's all out there. Go get it in October. Awesome. I can't wait. I will definitely add it to my reading list when it comes out in the fall. But um, anyways, thank you, Dana, so much for joining us. I know I learned so much about the industry and I'm sure Whitney and all of our listeners can agree. So thank you for your time and for joining us today. No, always lovely to talk to you guys. And obviously you're excelling and doing great. So carry on. Love it. Aw, thanks. Thank you. (laughs)